You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is Chuba Sopoiskim. We have a tremendous government today uh, to have uh, someone that I've known so, for so many years. Um, as I said, a Rova Dayan, a Poisik a scholar and a lecturer, all of these things are, are, are true. Uh, uh, Guzma and, uh, and someone who is, a, I think, one of the most important thinkers in, in this area of Chayish Mishpat and making it understandable and stressing the importance of living according to Chayish Mishpat, uh, uh, an area of, of Shulchan Aruch that somewhat was nach. And in the Chayish Mishpat Koyal that Rav Agoyin of Gershno Yezer Shafel has been uh, a member of for so many years, um, they have advanced the uh, the regesh, the idea of what it means to live according to halacha and to understand that many questions, which most some people dismiss or don't know what to do, there are answers. And uh, in, in his other work in the Chicago and his work in and his work in the Business Halacha Institute, Rabbi Shafel has been. Um, on the forefront of answering questions, and more than just answering the questions, also using those questions as a means of informing and educating. It's a wonderful uh, website, and the uh, the uh, alonim that are circulate throughout Kalal Yisro uh, uh, are, are wonderful, and their excellence is due in in, in a large part to Rabbi Shaffel's um, answers, uh, especially I think on the on the hotline. Um, I do want to say that I thought perhaps it was it's always relevant in the in the world of the of the modern world that we live in, where there are other laws in the places where we live. We need Dayanim and Paiskim like Rav Shaffel to guide us, that we can understand that it's, it, they aren't necessarily slicer each other in a way that if you're going to a Go according to Dinim de Malchusa, it's going to be impossible to Mekayim Dinim de Teira. Rav Shaffel and his and his compatriots and who are involved in the Savaitis HaKadosh have actually allowed us to become much better citizens as well and to understand the Taikif of of these of Dinim of the Medina as well and how that how that jives. Rav Shaffel, thank you again for 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 gracing us with this the opportunity to be able to share with uh, with those of you. Um, some thoughts about the uh, Ashaila which we received uh, recently. Um, feel free, if at uh, any point you have a, a question or something or a comment, feel free to uh, to jump in. Uh, but uh, in the interim, I'll assume that everybody is attentive and following along, and we'll uh, we'll just keep moving along in the Shaila. <clears throat> so the specific Shaila which we received a couple weeks ago already was you had a, an employee who had been uh, working for his employer for many years. Uh, consistently, he would get at the end of the year a W-2, which had on it his, his base salary and all the deductions which were taken off of his uh, paycheck to go to the various uh, government uh, agencies and in in, in whatnot, including Social Security. And then uh, the business was not so successful. Uh, and uh, at a certain point, the employer couldn't afford to keep him on staff anymore. And he let, and he let him go. And this person just, uh, I guess he's a conscientious, uh, careful person. So he went back and he contacted the Social Security uh, office to make sure that their records of his employment matches what he has. And he realized that there was a discrepancy. 
And it became evident as he began to look at the numbers and whatnot, that what his employer had been doing was uh, the employer deducted from his paycheck the money which was supposed to go to the Social Security office, but the employer never sent it in. So the Social Security office doesn't have a record of, let's say, three years worth of employment for this, uh, this person. And his concern obviously is, is that at whatever point he retires and he expects to collect Social Security, if their numbers don't have these three years of employment, so that's going to uh, significantly impact how much he will be able to collect or how much he will receive from Social Security at that time. And he wanted to know, he knows that the, uh, the, uh, the employer doesn't really have much, uh, m- m- much money, but he wants to know, is he allowed to contact the Social Security office, show them the W-2s which demonstrate that he did work for these three years and that deductions were made from his paycheck. And in order to, to reconcile uh, what actually happened in terms of his employment with the records that the Social Security office has of his, and uh, his concern obviously is, is that it may, in the event that he contacts the social security office, so is there going to be a problem of Mesira? Is there going to be an issue with the fact that he may, that the social security office may then turn around and go after the employer and say, hey, we have uh, now records that you were deducting from your employee's paycheck and you never sent us the money and therefore they will uh, besides collecting the money, they may penalize him. Whoever knows, who knows what the, the consequence of that would be. So that was the shyly which was presented to us. Is he allowed to go to the Social Security office with his W-2s in order to reconcile his account? Or is that a potential issue of Mesira of informing an, on another Jew to, uh, to the government? Okay. So that was the shyly which we received. And as everybody knows, that the way we're going to answer such shilas is we have to go ahead and we have to find some precedent either in Shas or the postgim of a case which is similar, and then see if we could successfully be Madama Milsa the Milsa to be able to arrive at the uh, halachic psak uh, as far or some guidance at least for this fella as far as what he should do. So uh, the first place which we went to, this is not a place which you would normally go to uh, when looking up a Shaila, but uh, one of my chaveirim uh, in New York, so he, when I was discussing it with him, so he, uh, he remembered that there's a tshuva of the Meshiv Bahalacha. Meshiv Bahalacha is Rabbi Yechiel Tauber, not Israel Tauber, but Yechiel Tauber, uh, Dayan in the, uh, the Sharblat of the, of the Sefer. It says he's the Av Basin of Machol Hara of Mansi. And he deals with, so we're actually going to deal with two different shilas that he addresses from two different Sfarim. One Sefer is the one that you have on the screen in front of you, the Meshiv Bahalacha. And then he's got another Sefer called Meshi, uh, Kisei Mishpat. So we're going to deal with two similar uh, um, uh, uh, Shilas which he had. And then from there, we'll come back to this Shila about the, uh, the Social Security. So here you see on the screen in front of you, hopefully everybody could, uh, could see it. So it says, Paul Yehudi Shekiba Matanali Yitzchalik in Paul Nachri V'avdo. So uh, uh, this is a, a Jew who received money that was supposed to be delivered to a non-Jew. And then the Jew went ahead and lost that money. And the question is, what exactly is his achrayis? And you'll see from the, uh, the Shaila what the, the, the relevant point of this tshuva is and why that's going to have impact on our discussion today. So the Shaila reads as follows. So you have a, a furniture store and they sell furniture. And they ship the merchandise, the customer's merchandise, by truck to the customer's home to uh, deliver guys, go ahead and do so. Yehudi ul goy. 
And the delivery guys are, one is a Yid and one is a Goy. And many times the Jewish customer goes ahead and gives the Jewish delivery guy, let's say, 20 bucks. Vomer lo, and he says to the Jewish delivery guy, Litain Hatip La Pol Hagoy. Says, you keep $10 for yourself, that's your tip, and give the other $10 to the guy. So Ma Dino So what's the halacha if the Jewish delivery guy forgets? He gets distracted on his way back to the truck and he forgets to give the money to the guy. Does he now he's got now? Let's say the in the case is where the guy is no longer around. The guy is not working for the trucking company anymore, or the guy just fell off the uh, the face of the planet. You can't uh, track him down anymore. So now this yid has ten dollars, which had been earmarked for the guy, and the guy the and he's nowhere to be found. So what does he do with the ten dollars? Does he go back to the customer and give that money back to the customer, or is is he perhaps allowed to keep it for himself? What's going to be the halacha if he lost the tip altogether? Is he responsible to go ahead and replace that money which he lost? And in the event that he does have to go ahead and repay that money which was lost, so who does he pay that money back to? Does he have to give the $10 now to the guy, his co-worker, the, the, the other delivery guy? Or does he give it back to the Jew who was the customer who gave him the money in the first place anyways? So that's his Shiloh. Now the way the Meshub HaLacha structures his Sefer is that on top he gives very short answers to, uh, to the question. And then in the footnotes he goes ahead and he elaborates on it. So a simple answer is, So the Jewish delivery guy who has the $20, he's not obligated to go ahead and deliver the money to the non-Jew in the event that it's lost or whatever. So he doesn't have to go ahead and pay out of pocket to give the non-Jew $10, to give the goy $10. But what he does have to do is, if there's any extra money or the money cannot be ultimately cannot ultimately be delivered to the goy, he's got to give it back to the customer, the customer who gave him the money in the first place. Why? The hamos nishar Because and that's the key line which we want, is that the money remains in the customer's possession. In other words, when the customer gave this yid the money and said, $10 is for you and $10 is for the other delivery guy, that money really belongs to the customer. And the yid is just a shliach of sorts. We're going to see not a technical shliach, but he's a shliach of sorts for the, uh, to, to deliver the money. But the money remains in the possession of the owner so that in the event that something happens and the money cannot be de- delivered, so that money remains in the possession of the customer and that's where it would have to be returned. What is the, uh, the basis of that? So here we turn to, and this is something which uh, Rav Tauber talks out, uh, speaks out and we're going to see the, uh, from the Gemara. So we jump to a simon in, in Choshem Mishpat. In Shochan Arach, this is simon Kufpei Gimel Sif Tes. These are in the, uh, the section, as it says over there, of Shlichus. So Shochan Arach says as follows. Source number one, it says, Let's say Ruvain owes money to a goy. For whatever reason, he owes the money is irrelevant. So Ruvain went ahead and gave the money to Shimon. He said, listen, I owe the goy money. If you're going to see him, go ahead and do me a favor. Give the goy money, which I owe him. And the Ove Kachavim forgets about the debt altogether. And says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think anybody owes me money. Uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm not taking the money. 
So now Shimon has the money, which he was supposed to give, that which Ruven gave him to give to the guy. And now it turns out that the guy isn't taking the money or the guy cannot be found. It's irrelevant. Why? But the money cannot be delivered to the guy. What's the halacha? Yachzer the Ruven. So the money goes back to Ruven. So the money goes back to Ruven. Uh, because this is the idea, this is the so that the Rav Tauber is saying, that the uh, Meshav Allah is saying, is that when I give you money to go ahead and deliver it to somebody else, so the Allah is, is that money really, it remains mine until it, it, reaches, it reaches its final destination. It remains mine, and therefore, if anything happens that you cannot carry out your shlichus to deliver it to that intended destination, that intended person, so that money remains mine, and it gets returned to me, you have no right to go ahead and take it. If you were to take it, you would be a ganav to go ahead and do so. So that's what Shulchan Aruch says, based on a number of, uh, of Rishonim. Then, but what makes this matter not so pashat, is you have, this is what you have in source two over here, is you have a quote from the Rush. So the Rush is in Baba Kama. As it says, Perak Yud, I think it was Timothy Chafalov, but don't quote me on that. But he says, uh, he is addressing a question which was posed to Rabbeinu Ephraim Reb Yitzchak. So what was the question? So he says, as he writes this, he explains as follows. So Ruvain went ahead and bought some merchandise from the Goy for $100. And the Goy said, I trust you. I know that you're a reliable person. And if you want to pay me tomorrow, I'll give you the merchandise now and you can pay me tomorrow. Now what happens? Something came up suddenly that Ruvain had to leave town. And Ruben gave the money to Shimon and said, listen, do me a favor, pay the guy money I owe him for the merchandise which I bought. And then, and the guy totally forgot about the fact that Ruben owed him money. And the guy goes ahead and moves out of town. He moves somewhere else and he's nowhere to be found. And we don't know where he is anymore. And now the question is, what does Shimon do with that $100? So the Chuvosov, and what did Rabbeinu Ephraim respond? He says, If it's clear that the guy forgot about this money, he's not expecting it back anymore. So he says, according to the Mandamar in Krisos, that if you go ahead and you give a matana, you give a gift to a friend, you send a gift to a friend, and that recipient says, I don't want it, the Allah is, so the money does not go back to the sender, does not go back to the benefactor, the one who gave the gift, but rather the money is said, because he's given up, he's relinquished all of his rights, and whatever that money is, that now is Hefker, and therefore, first come, first serve. Then the sender cannot come along now and say, Listen, I gave it on condition that he was going to accept the money. I gave you that $100 that he should accept it. And if he doesn't want it, I want the money to come back to me. Rabbi Ephraim says that the, the Mishaleach, the one who sent the money, has no right to go ahead and make that claim. So what principle do we see from here? And this is the key. So we see the relevant principle over here is, is that as soon as you sent that money and you were Messiah Das, you gave up on ever receiving that money in return. 
because the expectation was it was going to be delivered into the hand of the Goy. So once you go went ahead and gave it to Shimon to give to the Goy, you're Mesiach Das from ever seeing that money again. So it's, uh, it's now Hefkerf. It turns out that it cannot go to the intended recipient. So since you are Mesiach Das, so it's not your money anymore. And therefore, it's essentially Hefkerf. What's a riot to this? What's the riot that Rabbeinu Ephraim has that, what, that you could be Mesiach Das from something? And at that point, it becomes Hefkerf. Says Amrina. So he says, so Rabbeinu Ephraim says, I present for that, which is Gabi Shor Haniskal. So Ruvain owns a, a shore, which went ahead and killed somebody. And that shore was convicted of murder one. And therefore, the shore is going to be uh, the, uh, the psak given by Basin is that it's going to get skila. So now the owner says, kiss. He says, It's too bad. I really like that shore. But if it got to, to receive the verdict that's going to be killed, what are you going to do? So the halacha is, then it turns out that two witnesses come in and they say to the witnesses who convicted my shore, they said, how could you testify when you were with us on that date? And therefore you couldn't have possibly seen the shore go ahead and kill anybody. And Basin accepts that the original set of witnesses are indeed Edim Zomamin. So once we accept that the original witnesses are Edim Zomamin, so the verdict that my shore has to be has to be Niskal is now overturned. The halach is amazingly Kolakona Bozacha. So whoever wants to go ahead and grab the shore from uh, uh, from uh, the prison cell that it was being held in until it was going to be executed. So Kolakona Bazacha, first come, first serve. Why? So he says explicitly, that from the moment that the owner did not expect he was going to get his shore back because there was a verdict that it's going to be executed. So from that moment, the owner was mafkir. And the fact that it turns out that that, uh, that verdict was done erroneously because the Edim are Edim Zomrin, that's irrelevant. Because once the owner went ahead and was Mesiach Das, that puts his chayfet in a status where it's now considered to be Hefker. And as a result of that, Allah is going to be Kolakonem Zacha. That anybody who wants to go ahead and take it is going to be authorized to, uh, to take it. So this uh, position of Rabbeinu Ephraim, so this is at odds what we, with what we saw in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch said that the halach is going to be that uh, that the, if, there's, if the money cannot re- reach its intended destination, it's returned to the sender. And here, Rabbeinu Ephraim is saying, Fakert, he's saying the opposite, that once you sent the money and you never planned on getting it back, so you were Mesiach Das from that, you were Mesiach Das from that money. And if it turns out that it's not going to be able to get to the recipient, so it's a, effectively Hefker and Kolokonaba Zach. Now, the, uh, the rush, we won't read it inside, the rush disagrees. He disagrees with Rabbeinu Ephraim. And he says that it's not necessarily true. He says, um, he says, there's no raya. That's, we'll just read that one line. He says, the shiny hasam, it's different over there. Because when the original verdict came out that the shore is going to be stoned, so it became asubana, and at their point, and there, that's why the owner was Mesiach Das. Why? 
because a, 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 an incident of Adim Zomimin is a very infrequent occurrence, and therefore it never enters his mind that there's any possibility that the, uh, the witnesses who testified against him are going to be overturned because of Adim Zomimin, and that's why he was Mesiach Das. But, he says, Aval Hacha, but when, when Ruvain sent money with Shimon to give to the Goy to pay for the merchandise which Ruvain purchased, so he never intended to make that money Shimon, Even after Ruvain gave the money to Shimon, he have Amr Ruvain to name Because if Ruvain changed his mind and he says he calls up Shimon, who's on his way to the guy's house, he says, "You know what? My uh, my furnace just broke, and I need the extra money to pay for uh, for the repairs." And bring me back the money, and I will just, uh, you know, sweat it out as the guy comes knocking on my door asking me for the money. That's my problem, not yours. But I want the money back. So if he were to go ahead and he were to say that, so undoubtedly Ruvain has the right to go ahead and say to Shimon, "Give me back my money." And therefore, so being that he was not, being that he still has rights to tell Shimon to come back, so it's clear that he was not Mesiach Das. And the money never became hefker. And therefore, uh, uh, and therefore, the intent is, and this uh, matches with the uh, with uh, uh, what we said we read in Shochan Ruven gave the money to Shimon with the intention that Shimon would be a faithful agent to go ahead and drop it off, drop the money off by the guy. But if it turns out, but if it turns out that Shimon is not going to be able to deliver that money to the Goy for whatever reason whatsoever, so that money has to go back to, to Ruven. So we have a machlokis here between the Rush and the, uh, and the Rabbeinu Ephraim. When I go ahead and I give you money to give to somebody else, so is that money going to, uh, it, does that money have to, does, that, does the owner relinquish his rights to that money or not? Is a Mesiach Das from that money or not? And, um, right. So now, based on this, so seemingly we could go ahead and we would say that these Marmakomas are going to be relevant to the Shaila about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the furniture delivery men, where the customer went ahead and gave Ruven the money. And he said to Ruvain, here's 20, go ahead, keep 10 for yourself and keep 10 for the goy. So seemingly we would say that whether or not Ruvain has to go ahead, if it turns out that the goy isn't around anymore, whether Ruvain could keep the money for himself or whether he has to give it back to the customer will be subject to this debate between the, uh, between the Russian and the Benu Ephraim. But comes along the Meshub Baalacha, comes along with Tauber, and he says that, and I'm sorry that this is a, a, a picture, so I can't uh, follow along with the uh, by highlighting. But he says, Rabbi Shaffo, just what, what is the uh, yeah. before you get to why it's not diamond? Maybe you could explain how what the tushto is uh, exactly here, because right, just the, 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 tip, to the social security or to, to the tip, just his case. Because so here it's the same thing that a shlichus to give the tip, right? And that's the question whether it rent. Social security, right. we haven't gotten to the hashbo yet. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're not we're, we're not going to swing around to that till after the the second child. Okay. So here's Shiloh number one. We're analyzing. So right now we're just talking about the tip. So we're saying now the Russia of Ephraim would would debate whether or not when the customer gave Ruvain the delivery guy twenty dollars and said, "I want you to give ten dollars to the goy," 
was Ruvain, the customer, was a Mesiach Das from ever getting that money back, which would allow, which is what Rabbeinu Ephraim holds, which would allow the delivery guy to go ahead and, and pocket the money. Or do we say that the customer was never Mesiach Das, he was just having the delivery guy be his shliach of sorts to, to send the money to the goy, but in the event the money cannot reach the goy, so certainly the customer is going to want his $10 back. That would be the sheet of the Rosh and the sheet of Shulchan Aruch. So now, and it's, it's important, as, uh, as everybody knows, then Chosha Mishpat, sometimes, whether or not you'd be able to do so over here is a different story, but sometimes when there's a machlok, it's the hardest thing to do in Chosha Mishpat is to get somebody to give up money that they have possession of. So since the delivery guy has the, the $20 and the owner is asking him, hey, if you couldn't give $10 to the guy, I want that $10 back. So would the delivery guy, would the Yiddish delivery guy, would he be able to say, Kimli, like the Shita, like Rabbeinu Ephraim, who says that you are Mesiyach Das as soon as you gave me the money, and therefore I have the right to keep it and you can't force me to give it up. So that's obviously what the delivery guy would say in the, you know, if it came to a Dintor or something, he would, he would try and argue keenly like that opinion, like that Rabbeinu Ephraim, and I have the right to keep the money because you were already mafkarit because of your Hesach Das. So now, but says Rav Tauber, and this is what we have now, which should be on the screen. He says, he says, it's clear that in this case, there's no way that the delivery guy is going to be able to keep the money for himself. For a different reason. And it has no shaykhas at all. It's no parallel. It's not a, 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 a valid precedent for the case which we are discussing. Why? Because what's the whole reason that the customer gave the tip in the first place? The customer obviously doesn't want there to be a chil Hashem in the eyes of this goyish delivery guy. Because most people, most honest, uh, you know, well, good people go ahead and tip service providers. And obviously the customer wanted to behave in accordance with that common practice of tipping service providers. Because the customer is obviously concerned that if he doesn't give a $10 tip to the, assuming that that's standard, if he doesn't give a standard tip to the Goyesha delivery guy, so the Goyesha delivery guy will now get a bad impression of cheap Jews, quote unquote, and that would generate a chelashem. Because otherwise, why is he giving a gift of $10 to the non-Jew? We know there's an Isidorais of Los Sechanim. Whether or not that applies or not is a whole separate shear. But he says, but clearly what the customer's intent was to assure that Echil Hashem does not occur. occur. And being that the customer wants to make sure that he does not inadvertently cause a, 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 a Echil Hashem, and he wants to make a Kiddush Hashem, so clearly the Yiddish uh, delivery guy is not allowed to keep the money for himself. Here's the key line. Because there's no way the customer had intent at all to be Masalik himself, to be Mesiach Das from that money. Because he wanted to make sure that he would do, that he would perform this Kiddush Hashem. And it's not parallel at all to the case Rabbeinu Ephraim says. Because over there he did it only because you have to pay for the merchandise. You bought merchandise, you didn't pay for it yet. Obviously you have to pay. 
because the guy said, listen, you owe me hundred dollars for the merchandise. And as far as the customer is concerned of the furniture, so it doesn't really make a difference to him whether or not if the guy forgets that he's owed the hundred dollars or he receives hundred dollars, either way, he just doesn't want the guy to send him to collections. So as long as he's not sent to collections, that's all he really cares about. But over here, clear that the customer wants to make sure that the money does reach the goy. And there's no way that the customer is Mesiach Das and is Mafka this money. And he says that that's obvious. So Yisod number one, the first Yisod that we take from this is this idea that there's a potential uh, occurrence of a Hesach Das. And we have this machlokif whether in, in some circumstances there may be a disagreement between the Russia of Ephraim whether somebody who, whether Ruven gives money to Shimon to deliver it to, uh, to the Goy, is there a potential Hesach Hadas or not? But there are certainly circumstances, the Meshiv Halacha says, where there's no doubt that he's not Mesiyah Das. And in those cases, we're absolutely certain that there's not a Hesach Hadas. So then the money belongs to the Meshaleach, the original owner. And if it cannot be uh, delivered, to the intended recipient, it would certainly be refunded or returned to the original person. So that is step number one. Now, the next Shaila, as I said, is also from the same of Tauber, a second Sefer that he put out called Kisei Mishpat. And here is a case which is uh, more closely related to our social security case, which I promise we'll get to. So here, the Shaila is different. And this is something we're not commenting at all about the appropriateness of something in the in the in the uh, uh, analysis of Shilas. So it's very tempted to go ahead and uh, uh, try and analyze the personalities uh, of the people and to try and analyze whether they're good people or not. But for our purposes, that's completely irrelevant of whether what they're doing uh, is is an appropriate course of action or not. We're just dealing with the Shila based on the facts which are presented to us. So with that disclaimer. So the Shaila goes as follows. So you go into a store and you purchase something which has a sales tax. Let's just say a city sales tax. And the manner by which these taxes, this tax is collected is, Every sale that the, uh, the merchant makes, so he collects 5% or something of the, of the sale as sales tax. That's what he puts in parentheses there. And then at the end of the year, so the merchant goes ahead and tallies up how much of those 5% that he has collected from his customers over the course of the year. And he sends that amount to the city for the sales tax. Okay, that's the way it's structured. Now it happened, so the merchant went ahead and he shut down business at the end of November one year. And therefore, so he had collected sales tax between January and November. And now the money isn't due until January 1. But he closed up shop by November 31st, November 30th. And they ended up pocketing all of that, um, all of that, the sales tax money, which he collected over the 11 months of the year, is he obligated to go ahead and now refund the sales tax to all of his customers or not? So that was the Shaila, that's, uh, that's Shaila number two, which was uh, presented. 
And the chen ma'adin im me'olam, actually, we're not even going to address that. So this is the shaila again. So we have this idea that I went into the, I went into the store. I went into that, uh, that, uh, the merchant store. He asked me, he said, I have to pay him sales tax because he's got to pay the city. So I dutifully went ahead and paid him 5% sales tax on all the stuff which I bought over the course of the year. And now I find out that in November, he closes, at the end of November, he closes up the other uh, store and he has no intent of sending it. They have nothing over him anymore because the store is shut down. And he figures he'll take a risk that they're not going to come after him personally. Whatever his thinking is, is irrelevant. But he's now, he's now pocketed the money. So can I go to uh, take him to a Dintower of sorts and say, listen, you collected 5% from me because you went ahead and you were going to pay the sales tax. And now uh, if you're not paying the sales tax, give the money back to me. So believe it or not, so here also at the beginning of this tshuva, so Rav Tauber does the same analysis, quotes the same Rabbi Ephraim, he quotes the same Rush, and he says seemingly what we have over here is we have another application of that debate between Rabbi Ephraim and the, the Rush, whether or not when a customer goes into a store and pays the sales tax, is he misiach das from that money? And if he is, so the money is effectively hefker, and therefore you cannot call it back. It's too late to be able to call it back. Even if it never gets to the city as payment for the sales tax, it's irrelevant because like Rabbeinu Ephraim, I was already Mesiach Das. Or do we say like the Rush and Shulchan Aruch, that when I gave the money to the merchant, I was not Mesiach Das from that money. I gave it to him only with the understanding that he's going to ultimately give it to the city. And if it turns out he's not going to give it to the city, so then that, since I was not Mesiach Das, that's really my money. And he's obligated to go ahead and return the money to me. So he begins with that initial analysis, saying that maybe this case is subject to the Machlokas, Rabbeinu Ephraim and the Rush. And then he comes along, and once again, to make the, uh, the tshuva obviously exciting, so he says, He says, in this case of the sales tax, so you don't need any of this at all. Why do you not need any of this uh, at all? Because according to the law, this is the way the, uh, the, the tax uh, uh, law was, uh, was structured, so it, it really, it's the customer who has, who has the tax burden. When you buy something, so you have an obligation to give. If you buy $100 worth of, worth of merchandise, so you, are, you, the customer, have the obligation to give 5% to the city. But the way it's, it's, it's set up is, is that they, the city considers the merchant to be a shliach, to collect that 5%, rather than relying on the customers to be honest and actually send in 5% of each purchase uh, at the end of every quarter, every year, whatever it is. So they go ahead and they have the merchant and they say to the merchant, listen, you do us a not a favor, but you go ahead and collect the sales tax for us. Now, why does the merchant want the headache of collecting the sales tax? They allow in, this is literally mitzvah. They say that, listen, during the year, until the year we want you to uh, pay us for the sales tax, you can hold on to that money, put into your private account, until the end of the year when we, when we want, we expect you to go ahead and pay us. And you, the merchant, you have the right to use that 5% which you collected from all of your customers. That is for you to go ahead and use freely. So what does that mean? Being that that's the way the tax structure is set up and the tax collection is set up. So 
So as soon as you, the customer, as soon as I, the customer, paid 5% to the, uh, to the merchant, so I have satisfied my obligation. I'm done. The city has no kindness on me whatsoever because I did what they expected me to do, which is to give the 5% of this sale to the merchant to hold on to as my, uh, my share of the sales tax. And therefore, my obligation vis-a-vis the city, I am, I'm, I'm absolved, I'm done. Now, now the government, the city allows the merchant to go ahead and use that money to acquire it and to use it freely. And he's able to use it on whatever he wants until the designated time when he has to send in the money to the city. And it's understood that every customer understands that that is the way the system is structured. And therefore, they, uh, they, uh, they accept it. So Nimtze, so it turns out, the Hamos Nasa Shalom. So it's important for us from a halachic perspective is, is that as soon as I, the customer, pay the 5% to the merchant, so that money now belongs to the merchant. I have no further obligation with that money. I, I've satisfied my obligation to pay 5%. The money now belongs to the merchant, and now he owes money to the city. And then when it turns out that he doesn't pay them, if he decides at the end of November, when he shuts down the business, and he's just going to keep all of that sales tax, so whose money is he keeping? So it's clear from a halachi perspective that what's going on over here is, is that this fellow, the merchant, is stealing money from the city. He doesn't have my money anymore. He has the money which is earmarked, which eventually has to go to the city. And if he decides not to send that money toward to the city, so what he's doing is he's stealing from the city, but that none of the customers have the right to say that, listen, you're stealing from us because they, uh, they, they, uh, they made good use of that money by paying off their, uh, their, their, their tax responsibility, their tax liability. So it's being that in this case, it's clear that they gave the money and there is a hesachadas. They don't expect to get that money back ever. They, it's a hesachadas because it becomes the merchant's money and he now has an obligation to pay the city. So in this case, he says, it's obvious and evident that I as a customer are not gonna be able to ask for that money back. Okay. So now this now allows us to, I think that's it, yeah. This now allows us to swing back to the case. Now that we see this, this svara that he, uh, the Rav Tauber brings up in the Kisei Mishpat about the collection of the money and what happens once the money is collected. So now we can go back to our social security case. So the case of the social security was an employer went ahead and deducted money from, let's just uh, make it uh, simple. The employer deducted money from my paycheck. I was supposed to get, paid X amount a year, and I didn't actually receive that, that amount of dollars because the employer deducted Social Security from my paycheck. And he did so with the understanding that that money is going to be sent to Social Security office, and that's going to be for my benefit. So now the, the, what we, the analysis that we need to do is the, the perspective. Let me let's say that better. The perspective we need to have over here and need to understand is, is the only allowance that the employer has to go ahead and deduct money from my paycheck, from my earnings, is only in the event that he's going to go ahead and send that money to the Social Security. 
So that money is, oh, he's only allowed to go ahead and take that from the social security. If he takes that money and does not give it to the social security. So Aldas Kane, it was never Aldas Kane that I allowed him to take that money. It, it never becomes his money. It was never his for the taking. And when he takes the money from me in the first place, it's only Aldas that he's going to send that money into the social security. But if he were to tell me from the outset, listen, I'm taking, I'm deducting from your paycheck as I'm allowed to do because I'm supposed to collect social security and I'm not going to send it in and too bad for you. So he's a Ghanav of my money. He's not stealing from the government in this case. He's not stealing from the social security department. He's stealing my money because he had no right to take my money and not deliver it to the intent and not deliver it to a social security uh, uh, office. That was the only allowance he had in the first place anyways to take that money. So if it turns out that he doesn't take that money, so he's a Ghana from me. And being that he's a Ghana from me, it's not so much a shyla of whether I could go to the social security office. Now my time against him is a regular Dintora. I'm claiming that you, employer, you stole my social, my social security money. And being that you're a Ghana from me, so in all cases of a, of, of a din between one yid and another yid, so the first order of business, the first recourse is to go to Basin and see if Basin is going to be able to handle the case. And then whether or not they can or they can't, or they have the authorization, the power to do so. So they are, things will have to play out in the, uh, in the normal uh, course of a uh, uh, of Basin, but it's not as if it's just something which I'm trying to claim from the Social Security office, money which is which is due to me. Really, my claim is a claim of Geneva from my employer for making that deduction from my paycheck and then not taking the money and giving it to the Social Security office. And therefore, we said that the you know we we told the person that he's got to go to Basin, and then uh, Basin will uh, will handle it from there in terms of what they will or will not be able to do in order to assist him to get back that uh, that money. But that is what uh, we told them with that. Uh... In other words, people, the person who thought this was a dimyan, thought that when that you have that you're mechuyev to give part of your parnosa that you're making to Social Security is like a mechas to the government, right? That that was the reason why you thought it was a uh, you, you, the person thought it was a dimyan. Right. The, 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 the thinking was is that maybe the the when the employer goes ahead and doesn't send the money in, maybe he's just a mazik to me. Because the impact is the fact that at retirement, I'm not going to be able to collect the same amount of money that I was anticipating. So that's a dinmazik, that he's causing me uh, to not be able to catch his money. Not that he's stealing from me because he's supposed to collect that, uh, wow. that the Social Security, but maybe it's a dinmazik. And if he's, if he's only a mazik, so maybe I have the right to go ahead and repair that hezek. And if it, if it negatively impacts him, so that's too bad, so sad on him. Because I'm allowed to go ahead and pursue uh, to pursue something, which is if if it, if it was a hezek, I'd be able to go ahead and do so. But being that we're now saying that it's not a hezek dikadin, it's a geneva dikadin. So then my 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 uh, my uh, pursuit has to be uh, directed towards him against him. It's a it's a case against him, not just that he was mazik me. I have to be mazik this a little bit to me. In other words, it, 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 it's it, not that he, it's not that he was mazik the drama. By, by not sending in the money. So I'm not, rather than getting $1,000 a month, I'm only going to get $800 a month. And he, by him not doing that, he was goring me this hezek, but rather he's an outright Ghana for me. Right, so if, if he's a mazik, so it, I wouldn't, be, then my hanhaga would be... It may be, if it's, if it's only grama, he, 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 he wasn't mazik me directly. He did something which begrama causes me a hezek. So grama bin izak, and I may not be able to collect from him. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and, and therefore, uh, you wouldn't be able to be toive- You could be toivei him. I can't be toivei him, right? You, you could be toivei him. 
but the point is he would he might he might win in the dintaira by saying all it was was a groma by me not paying the person's right. not going to get the money later so if he bought right. that's because because it's indirect and because it's not money right now that's why it might have a groma right and therefore i you might he could he could tie a groma benzok and i'm not mahuya I'll worry about my Dine Shemaim when I get to Shemaim. Yeah, right. But for Dine so, Adam, you, you can't collect from me because there's only a grama. Uh, by, sure. so by, by, right. by, by realizing that it's a, it's a case of a Gineva, not, uh, not grama, so he can't escape the fact that it's a Ghanav. He's got to pay. Right. So even though I can't be Mishtamish with this Kesef anyway, because there's Dine de Malchusa that's forcing me, like, had they not trusted the employers, so the Dine de Malchusa would force each employee to shafais to to put a, to put away right right didn't the Mahusa would force this person to put away this this money so in, in, in a sense right but it's vibalt it's that's what i'm saying if you if you treat it as a meches if you treat social security as a meches then it's that it's only it's only Geneva because it's you are tining that it's mine also because if there would be a din that there's a, a tax on all employees that whatever they yeah. earn goes to the government, right? And, and, and you could hear such a thing, right? You could hear yeah. there's probably countries that do that. So there, right? It's only because of like you say the benefit that it accrues to me. If it's only right. if if it's a tax that they're taking against me, and 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 I, and, the, and, the, and the, he is supposed to do that. So it's Pasha that's almost like right? right what do you right. care? Okay, so I pay the tax, you pay the tax. So the it's right whoever it goes to, so it didn't get there. You're Mukhuyev right? there you could have maybe played around with the the, right. the chayv to the guy. But right. your 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 Bezdin was Machria, despite the fact that it's gonna be forty years from now, wherever he gets it, it's like it's considered like like like, like a Geneva be it's like a Geneva Miyad. Right, right. 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 Yeah. So this Shila came up in the BHI, right? This came from no. This is a Chicago Chosher uh, Mishpat uh, Shila. This, oh, this came Shiloh. up from an, like I said in the. It, it was an it, actual. It came, it came to Chicago, and I consulted with my uh, my chaverim at uh, in, in Brooklyn, the, the BHI. Yeah, yeah. They have much better memory than me, so they remember <laughs> all these things. No, no, no. Zero uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, yes. Rabbi Tauber's analogy, uh, Rabbi Tauber's distinction better between uh, between the tip and uh, and Rabbi Ephraim seems uh, somewhat specious to me. Um, Why? Uh, does he, isn't he equally happy if the guy forgot about the whole incident and uh, and he doesn't have to give him a tip because the guy forgot about the about the whole thing? Wouldn't he be equally happy that way? He just yeah, doesn't he, he, to look he, up. Yeah. So the, the, the right, excellent. So, I, so, I think so, that, so, so really, the salient point really is he doing it for some consideration or not for some consideration. That really should be the salient point. And either he's doing it to fulfill either an obligation or an obligation that he owes enough free money. That's why he's not to see it bad. I would have thought that's the... Uh, I would have thought that's the salient point. But I, I, I'm not sure I, 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 I grasp exactly what he's getting at here. So I, I, think, I think what he's saying is, is that the Machlokas Rabbeinu Ephraim in the rush revolves around when, when the Yid gives the money to the second Yid. At that mm. moment, is there a Hesach Hadas? I would think it depends if, uh, if he anticipates some consideration for the money. So, so, so Rav Tauber is saying that in the case of the tip, I specifically don't want to be Mesiach Das on that money. 
because I want to make sure to make the, the, the Kiddush Hashem by tipping the guy. Uh, I thought he was trying to avoid the full Hashem. Uh, 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 yeah, okay, two sides of the no, same thing, but e- either way... Uh, no, uh, not actually two sides of the same thing, uh, completely different, I would think. Uh, in other words, if you can avoid the negative of the full Hashem, uh, his, uh, his consideration is satisfied. Hence, he doesn't care if the guy forgot about it. And let's say the guy actually forgot about it. Right. He forgot that he ever worked there. No, he but, got but, hit by a flower pot. The guy forgetting about it is already after. We, we need to know at the moment that Ruven gives the money to Shimon, was mm-hmm. Ruven Messiah Das or not? What happens it, 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 every it, it, moment it, it, after that is irrelevant. The Hesach Hadas is at that moment when Ruven gives the money to Shimon. Yeah. So since he has in mind that, that the money should go to the Goy because of the, he wants to prevent the Chil Hashem, so then he's not being Messiah Das. And now, over whatever, here, uh, since uh, I'm, I'm saying it's, it's as likely that the guy's going to forget about his tip than the guy's going to forget about his chayv. So if we're willing to accept that, uh, that he's, he's Messiah Das, when it, even though he still needs to pay the guy back, if we're willing to accept that he's Messiah Das, and at that point, why wouldn't he be Messiah Das at the point of... Uh, uh, why is it more likely that the guy remembers the Phil Hashem aspect than that he remembers the dead aspect? I'm not... You bet he's asking, why is the Hizchaivus... Why is the existence of the Hizchaivus the, the Nafkamina, right? right. Well, tip, right? No, uh, the Hizchaivus the, the to the guy is uh, carry some color of... Uh, of uh, Ben Olam but so what? I mean, in other words, the question is, is, is the likelihood that it's going to be satisfied without actually giving him the money, is there a distinction between these two cases? Is there a distinction in the likelihood that it'll be satisfied without actually getting the money to the guy? I don't see any such likelihood. Yeah, okay, I hear what you say. So the, the way he's saying it, you're correct. He, he, he writes, yeah, let me bring it back up. Um... So you're saying that he, he's making like an okimta over here. The assumption is, is that you're paying for your merchandise only mitam hechrich and not because of a consideration of any chil Hashem or Kiddush Hashem. Well, I, I, I don't see why that would be any different. I mean, is it, is it okay for the guy to think that, uh, that Jews are seeds who dipped me? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that no, they no. didn't dip me? I mean, I, I don't, don't get the, yeah, I don't no, get no, the I, at all. I, I, I agree. And, I agree. and uh, I'm saying even leaving that aside, I don't He's doing it, but he needs the money to get to the dog, right? Well, he, if it's so only what does he mean? He's he can get out of it. He'll get out of it. And over here, it's also matam hechrich. And if you could get out of it, if, if the guy gets uh, hit by a flower pot yeah. and forgot that he haven't sold anything, would that wouldn't that uh, meet his uh, criteria as well? Yeah, no, very, very good, very good. The uh, haar is, is 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 well taken, is well taken. Right. We made the uh, you know an artificial uh, like an okimta or something to to create a chilek, which isn't really there. Yep. No, I, I, I okay, okay, I appreciate well, it. But Benny, but you, but you're it's a freedom with their hachrel lagabi, the social security case, though, right? I think so. I think it's 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 it sounds indubitably correct. I mean, it sounds indubitably correct. <laughs> oh, Hashem, Rav and I, I just thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.